Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Issues 2018. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Director of Wichita Airports, Victor White. Welcome to Issues 2018, sir. Nice to have you with us again. Well, thanks, Steve. I always enjoy coming now, out here. How long have you been Director of Wichita Airports? Well, this will be my 13th year. Really? Yeah. Who was there before you? I don't even know. Uh, Bayless Bell. Oh, yeah. Bayless was, was there the for a long time. for 33 years. That's right. So, Bayless was there. You know, I took a took a job in a in an airport that had a lot of stability. That was one of the one of the things that attracted me to the job because that's not very common in the airport management business. Usually, everybody leaves about every three or four years. Yeah. Well, what did you do before you got this job? I've worked at airports for over forty years. Okay. I was in Orlando, Sanford, as the director before that, and. Salt Lake City is the deputy before that, and Midland, Texas is the director before that, and DFW, Waukegan, Illinois, and so, St. Louis. Yeah, so where's home? Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Worth. Um, born and raised in Fort Worth. How about that? Yep. You've been all around. Yeah, had a lot of fun. One of the uh, news stories this uh, this week has been the uh, the location, or the proposed location, of the refurbished B-29 known as Dock. And for those who don't know what a B-29 is, uh, World War II vintage uh, big bomber, right? Absolutely. You know, this this is one of the coolest things that I've been associated with in all the years I've been working at airports. Is Doc is is only only one of two flyable B-29 aircraft in the whole world. Two? And Doc was actually built in Wichita. So this is really especially neat that Doc was built here and he's going to live here for the rest of his life. Now, where physically, we were talking about this on, on the radio this past week uh, on the morning show, where exactly will it be located then? Well, it'll be at Eisenhower Airport, right. first of all. Uh, it'll be in the general aviation section of the airport on the east side uh, on Airport Road, uh, kind of across from where the post office and the FAA offices are. There's a, a plot of land that we cobbled together. We took some land away from two adjoining tenants uh, and then put, put that next to uh, this, this new plot. And so in cooperation with the other tenant, which is Yingling Aviation, uh, working in partnership, uh, we found this spot after looking literally at more than a dozen other places on the airport and doing pros and cons and went through you know about two years' worth of site selection. And, and all of a sudden, this one just kind of popped up as the the one we had never thought of before. And I says, you know what? That's a really neat place to put it. So that's where he's going to be. And by the way, Doc is a he. You know, most aircraft are always called she's, but Doc is a guy. So Doc is a he aircraft. Now, the location you have, will there be a new building there? Yes, they're going to build, um, the, the Doc's Friends, Inc. organization uh, is going to build about a 33,000-square-foot structure It'll be mostly hangar. It'll have some offices and shops and gift shop and, and things inside. Uh, of course, that the hangar being that's where Doc will be stored when, when he's in town. Uh, but they're also going to go above and beyond just a traditional uh, storage facility by making this a, a, an educational center and a museum. And by education, they, they're going to have exhibits and interactive things for STEM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math 
education mm -hmm. so that kids can come out, school kids, whatever, on field trips and, and learn about those kind of how things are designed, how things are built, yeah. and how they're operated and maintained. So really tie it together to an educational center as well. Of course, your biggest responsibility, uh, as I understand it, is Eisenhower National Airport, but there are other Wichita airports in your charge. Is that correct, sir? Well, just one other. We, we also own and operate uh, Colonel Jabara Airport uh, here on the east side of town, and uh, that's our general aviation-only airport. There's no airline service out there, but you know, Jabara is, is a happening place, too. We've got a lot of activity that's kicking in. We're, we uh, are going to have a uh, new construction for a life team, which is the critical care uh, air and ground uh, medical transport service. They're going to build a hangar out there. We're working on some other development opportunities with the existing uh, fixed space operator, which is the service tenant there, uh, Midwest Corporate Aviation. They're going to do some major expansions here. And we've had some corporate hangers coming in lately. So things are kind of picking up in that side. We also, um, about a year or so ago, moved the, what we like to call it, the world headquarters of the Experimental Aircraft Association's uh, regional chapter. And they have taken a building over that was actually slated for demolition. But uh, in exchange for them uh, coming in and doing their own magic to fix it up and and, and renovate the place, uh, they have taken that over now, and they're just doing great guns. I, I went out there yesterday to look at it, and it's incredible the, the makeover that they've done to that building. How many workers are actually employed by the Wichita Airport Authority? The authority has about 150 actual employees, and then we've got some, about 30 contract employees that manage and operate our parking lots and our, our remote parking shuttle operation. But on the campus at Eisenhower Airport, there's well over 6,000 total employees from, you know, probably 100 different tenants and occupants on the building, on the, on the facilities. And so it's, it's, it's down from what it was back in the peak in the, in the, the mid-2000s. But when the recession hit, we lost a lot of workers at both Learjet and Cessna. But uh, they're, they're holding their own now, and they're doing very well. And, you know, it's, it's a really active place because we like to say that it's, it's an economic development that happens to have a bunch of runways. Yeah. So it's more than just an airport. It's, it's a small city with that many people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, in the chain of command, do you report to the city manager, the mayor? or All, all of those, but the city manager technically is my direct boss, my supervisor. Where all, all of those 150 folks I mentioned that work for the authority are actually city employees. The authority is, a, is legally separately a government agency from the city of Wichita, but it's in the city family. And the mayor and council sit as the governing body of the airport authority board. The recent cold snap uh, reminds us that airports and airplanes have to deal with weather conditions. Uh, how do you respond on those snowy, wintry days when it's so icy out there? Well, I tell you, it's, it's probably the worst thing we have to deal with because it's so unpredictable, and every storm is different than the last one, and we have multiple plans that we roll out depending on what the actual forecast is and then what really comes down after the forecast because it doesn't always mean the same thing. Uh, we would rather, uh, if we had our preference, plow a foot of snow any day than have to deal with ice and sleet. Uh, because those are the worst possible. They actually cost us more to take care of because we have to use either anti-icing chemicals on the runways or de-icing chemicals if it's already there, and that stuff is really expensive, and it, it tends to blow away if the winds are too strong. So 
it's it's really a squirrely thing to have to deal with when you got ice. You can imagine uh, if, if you know a hundred people on an airliner screaming down a runway that's got ice on it, and it's a, it's the airport manager's nightmare. Right? Well, it is, <laughs> and of course, you know, weather emergencies like that are, are are the nightmare, and safety is our number one priority at all times. And so, uh, when you do have snow and ice conditions on the airfield. Uh, the FAA has uh, restrictions and rules and regulations, and, and they continually evolve into something stricter than what it was, say, last year. And so the pilots of the airlines and the general aviation aircraft are always trying to learn the new procedures and how we report what we see out there and how you interpret that and how you react, respond to it. Okay, so do you have flight delays going on, and the, the, all of a sudden the airport becomes crowded with people who are... Impatient and annoyed. Yeah, that's that, that's always frustrating <laughs> yeah. because you know it's it's literally out of our control when when Mother Nature does things like that to us and and the pilots uh, either for their own reasons or for their company policies don't want to take off or land when the weather gets to a certain condition and so when that happens we have some airlines that will cancel a flight or delay a flight and some that won't because each company has their own operating procedures. And so last week, during the two ice events we had, we had, you know, we were pretty lucky compared to most of the surrounding airports like Tulsa, Oak City, and Kansas City. We only had like five flights that were canceled on one of those days, but there were probably 20 or so delays. And when there's delays, the passengers are stuck in the terminal if they're waiting to get out. And, of course, the food and beverage concessionaires love that yeah. because they sell more hot dogs and beer and food in the, in the restaurants while the people are waiting around. So there's pros and cons. Yep. What about during the spring and summer uh, storms? Uh, I know it can be a bit a little dicey out there at times out around the airport. How do you determine takeoffs and landings? Do you have to wait till the light between lightning strikes or how does Well, work? again, each each airline or company has their own rules about you know how close lightning can be. But if there's lightning, say within around to say a five mile radius of the airport that's visible, then um, most of the the workers clear the ramp and go inside to safety. Uh, they don't fuel the airplanes. They don't put the bags on the planes. So people will either be on the plane waiting for you know the, the storm to clear, or or not. So uh, you know that's always unpredictable as well. In the main terminal, uh, do you have a storm safety area? Do you have a? We, we do. Uh, when we built the new terminal, one of the things that was kind of high on the list in the beginning of design phase was what do we do since there wasn't going to be a basement under the building. So what we did was we got a little creative and thought outside the box a bit and built a tunnel system that connects the uh, new terminal to the old terminal basement. And so there's two locations within the terminal, one in the gate area up in the concourse and another one down at the baggage claim on the public side so that when we have a tornado warning activated, we open the doors, our police and others uh, direct pastures to these tunnels. They go underground, and so they're safe during the duration of that storm event. Have you actually done that? Yeah, it's it's happened. You know, a couple times a year. We've been open for about two and a half years now, so it's happened a couple of times. Uh, thank God there's never been an actual tornado, yeah. but there's been warnings. Well, you recently announced a series of focus groups on parking. Tell us about that. Well, we are trying to find information from our customers and as, as well from folks that are not customers and we want to know why they're not customers so we, we're, we've we've hired a group uh, called research partnership out at WSU which will uh, interview uh, folks in focus groups over there in their, their facilities on the campus and ask a series of questions it'll be an interactive event where we have some canned questions and then they'll 
respond, react to the, the things that they hear. So we can try to find out, you know, are there things that the customers would like to see different in the parking facilities? Are there, for example, do we want valet parking? Uh, you know, we occasionally we'll have some folks ask for that, but is there enough? You know, is there enough demand for that to make it worthwhile because that's expensive to do? You know, we're, do we really need to put a cover on the top level of the parking garage, which we hear from folks, but not overwhelmingly. So just things like that. We want to know what the people think about the services and the facilities and, yes, the prices that are charged in the parking facilities. How do people get involved in that? Well, there is a phone number. Uh, unfortunately, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but we've sent out uh, over 18,000 emails to people that are registered on the airport's uh, uh, e-news blast situation. Oh, okay. So yeah. those folks were invited, and then they call the number at Research Partnership and uh, volunteer, and then they have some criteria that they use to, to they, they're trying to divide groups up into business travelers and leisure travelers and non-customers. So there's kind of like three different groups they want to assemble and ask different questions of different groups. You're listening to Issues 2018 on the Intercom radio stations, and our guest is Director of Wichita Airport's Victor White. Uh, so when when did the Eisenhower Airport open to the public? You say two and a the half? The new terminal opened in yeah. June of 2015, so we're approaching the three-year mark here in a few months. What was the cost? Well, the uh, total project, including the terminal, the parking facilities, and the uh, utilities and roadways and the infrastructure that support it, was all around $225 million. And we say this a lot that we always emphasize that there's no taxpayer money involved in that. Uh, all of that was is paid for by the users of the airport. So if you don't use the airport, you're not paying for it. Okay. You know, and the last couple of times I've been to the Eisenhower Airport, I look at the old terminal building, and I'm wondering, when is that thing going to come down? Well, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we've already uh, torn down uh, probably two-thirds of the building. All of the gates, all the concourses were, were done away with over a year ago, and then we repaved the concrete underneath where they used to sit uh, for aircraft. So the airlines are currently using that for overnight parking and storage and that sort of thing. So it's a highly used operational area. The remaining part of the building, which is the part that you see as you drive past it in the front, that's between the control tower and the new terminal, right. uh, we've, we've hired the contractor um, several weeks ago. Uh, they're meeting with us on a weekly basis with the engineers and the architects and our airport staff to develop the plan to do the full, they don't call it demolition, they call it Deconstruction, deconstruction, oh. because it's a complicated demolition. There's I'll bet. because we're we're retaining the basement underneath it because that's where all of our utilities and shops okay. are, are yeah. located, and we want to keep those forever, and we don't want to damage those, and so uh, they have to carefully demolish the parts that are above it, the one and two story pieces. So uh, they're hired, they're ready to go, they're doing the the planning of how they're going to do the logistics of it, and then they'll give us a price to do that here in a couple of months. And then we'll pull the trigger on the actual work. So is there an asbestos problem over there? There's some. Uh, most of the asbestos has already been removed. Okay. There was asbestos in the old part that's already been taken down, so that was was done away with. But but the part that's left, most of that is from the early 1950s. So, yeah, there's probably asbestos in there, and that will be uh, remediated. Not remediated, it will be removed as part of the demolition project. And one thing that people ask me about, I'm going to beat you to this one, is uh, what happens to the Magic Flight art sculpture 
that is still in the old terminal. Uh, I get at least one call a week from a citizen who says, hey, don't throw that away. Don't demolish that when you tear the building down. This is that giant chrome sculpture that sits in the lobby of the old terminal as you came in the front door. Okay. So we have um, worked with the architects and the engineers and the contractor to come up with a plan uh, to actually relocate that from where it sits today to the new terminal. And it's going to be in the uh, ticketing wing down at the far north uh, end of the, the lobby. Okay. And so uh, literally just in the last couple of days, we've worked out a plan with the city's uh, arts and culture division to make sure that everything gets done properly and safely and uh, will be relocated sometime this spring. We're going to actually. You know, I don't it know, but heavy? it's it's big. It's okay. it's big. It's heavy. Uh, no one knows, but it's 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 a it's a huge uh, thing, and, <laughs> and so that it's it's been one of those dilemmas. We were gonna move it um, right about the time we opened the new terminal, but we found out that it was more difficult than we thought logistically to get it out of the old buildings. They got to literally tear some holes in the in the place to get what it out. Do you, what do travelers tell you about Eisenhower? You have people coming in there and, and using the facility? Oh, I tell you. What are they saying? This is like night and day from what we used to have. You know, we monitor social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, in particular, Foursquare, uh, Yelp, all the time, and look at the comments people make. And overwhelmingly, we're getting a lot of rave reviews from folks. Uh, just... People say, wow, we had no idea that Wichita had such a neat terminal. And we get travelers who are not from here who post things on, on Twitter especially who say, you know, I wish my hometown had an airport this neat. And so we're really th- thrilled to hear that. We're proud of it. I think the community did the right thing. Uh, we, we, we look back now and say, you know, there were some stressful times getting us to this point. It took us almost 10 years of planning, design, and construction to get us open. And, man, I'm sure glad we did it because that plus the new name for the airport with the Eisenhower name has just given us a bunch of of positive things that people talk about a lot. (laughs) Tell us about the number of travelers going through Eisenhower. Well, we had a really good year uh, in 2017. It was our second busiest year in the history, the 65 plus year history of the airport, um, second only to 2008, which was the previous best year. But we we uh, were only behind that one by just a, a thousand or so pastures. So we were almost there. And so we're really thrilled that the pastures have responded. The economy, obviously, uh, is, is a driver. You know, the airport doesn't just live in a vacuum. It's a reflection of what's going on in the community economically. So as that tells us that things are doing better in the region. And so that's a good thing. Uh, you know, we also had one new airline come into the mix last year when Alaska Airlines started nonstop service to Seattle. So that's a big deal, and that helps. And so, you know, we're, we're constantly working with our existing airlines to try to improve the service that they provide, find different routes that they may be able to implement that would do better. Uh, we're working with them constantly on the fares to make sure that they're not charging too much, as much as we have control over that. And then we're working with airlines, the few airlines that are not there, to see, do you have any interest in coming here? So we're always giving data analytics and, and demographic information about the community to, to the airlines to keep them up to date on what's going on in Wichita. Now, are they finding competitive rates out there? Yeah, yeah, basically they are. Um, our our fares 
have dropped from the year 2001, which was kind of the benchmark year we used, 2000 actually, um, significantly. Our fares have dropped percentage-wise more than Tulsa, Oklahoma City, and even Kansas City. Our average fares, according to the U.S. government, which they do this every quarter, a survey, uh, are now lower on average than Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And the gap with Kansas City is getting closer and closer. We'll probably never, uh, you know, be lower than KC just because they're ten times busier than us and have a lot of volume. But but it's it's neat that we have been able to um, get back a lot of travelers who used to drive to those three airports. And so you know, uh, fifteen years ago, we probably lost uh, 50, 60 percent of our local customers to those three airports. Now it's down like fifteen percent. So people are, are reacting and responding to the, the services in Wichita, the convenience, the fares, the, the airlines that we have here, and making good use of it. How, with these people who use uh, the airport, where do they come from? Are they uh, from all over this part of the country, out to 150 miles? We, we, have, we have maps of, yeah. of Kansas and even northern Oklahoma that show uh, by zip code and distance where the pastors come from. We, we do a survey over a couple of years of not just uh, license plates in the parking lot, see yeah. where people are from, <laughs> but we actually do a drill down into uh, the, the zip codes of where people purchase the tickets. We have one of our uh, folks that, that deal with that. And so uh, two-thirds of the population of Kansas uses our airport. The part that's up in the northeast, you know, closer to KC, of course, they would not come here because it's too far, and they can get, you know, service out of Kansas City a lot easier. But we have about two-thirds of the state, and we have about four counties in northern Oklahoma that drive here. So what we call those the battleground parts of the state, So because they could go either way. They could go to KC or or they could go to Tulsa or Oak City. So we put a lot of emphasis in the marketing efforts with those uh, parts of the state. Do you need more carriers coming in? To you know, we really action? don't need more. We've got the four biggest airlines in the world here now with American, Delta, United, and Southwest. They're the four busiest. We have the uh, largest low-cost carrier with Allegiant here. We have the most popular and, and well-graded uh, premium low-cost carrier with Alaska Airlines here. So they're covering the, the territory very well. We're always, as I said earlier, looking at other opportunities with those airlines, with those six, but we're also talking to, the, the, there's only a few left. Frontier, JetBlue, and Spirit are the only ones left in the business because of consolidations and mergers and airlines going out of business. But we don't fit the profile for like JetBlue or Spirit because our community is too small. There's not a big enough population base. Frontier, on the other hand, used to be here and left several years ago. And so we're, we're seeing some interest from them that there's a possibility they may. And so we're, we're putting the full court press on them right now. Okay. What's on your planning board right now? I presume you have one. I'm <laughs> well, you know, there's, there's so many things we got going. Uh, one of the things that's, that's kind of a neat, fun thing to do is that as a result of the change of the name of the airport to Eisenhower, we're working currently with the uh, Eisenhower family as well as the, the museum, boyhood home, and library folks up in, in Abilene about trying to do something in the terminal to display some stories about Ike's life. Uh, we're trying to get a 
some uh, a statue of Ike. So we're, we're just kicking that off here just recently and, and getting some activity going. We have created a 501c3 foundation, the Wichita Airport Foundation, that could serve as a vehicle for folks to donate to the Eisenhower Project stuff once that's kind of figured out what it might be. Well, that sounds like an, uh, an exciting idea. I think that would really enhance the experience. And again, I'd just like to say, just as, as one person who used to get on flights going down a tarmac on foot uh, in the 50s back here, that this is incredible. This is, new airport is incredible. And we want to thank you all for your efforts and all your people down there. You've done a great job. Well, thank Our you. guest is Director of Wichita Airport's Victor White. That's all for this edition of Issues 2018. And, of course, we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 